Nobody tackled him even. You know, what if he was coming up here to hurt me? No, where were you guys? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody knew Jerry was probably giving me money or asking for money. One or the other, for sure, all right? All right, Matthew chapter 1 in your Bibles. Matthew 1, I'm going to be about uh, 20 minutes, maybe maybe less. I'm going to really try to uh, encapsulate this thought because it's, it's really a tremendous thought, and it is this thought of what Christmas is all about. And Christmas is what? What is Christmas? Well, first of all, we decided last week and we agreed together that Christmas is joy. And we must believe that because the fact of the matter is, is we'll sing on many occasions this Christmas, whether it's in church or in our homes or on the radio, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Christmas is joy and learning to set aside uh, all of our our, you might just call it our attitude, our bad attitude, our oftentimes our grumpiness, you know, setting that aside and replacing it with the joy of the Lord. This morning, we're going to look at this subject. Christmas is love. Now, you know, Christmas is almost here. It's just right around the corner. And you're hearing that a lot. You know, in fact, that several times this week, someone has come up to me and said, preacher, can you believe the year is almost over and Christmas is here? And we're all kind of it just seems like that's the way it is every year. Time flies, and it's already another Christmas, another new year. And Christmas brings a lot of reflection, doesn't it? Do you agree with that? I think Christmas brings a lot of reflection when it comes to getting with family. I love the, the fact that Christmas is all about family. Most of us will try to find a way to spend time with loved ones if we can. I know that we'll take a, a small little trip to New Orleans and visit my family down south. And then we'll gather together here uh, as much as we can during Christmas. We're going to go see my mom at Christmas as well. And it's just an exciting time of getting together with family. Christmas is also presents. Hey, hallelujah. I don't mind admitting I enjoy getting a present. Hey, praise the Lord. I love it. And uh, when somebody says, hey, pre- uh, Eric or preacher or Papa or whatever, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, you really want to know? Hey, I'll tell you. I, mean, I, I like presents. And then Christmas is, hey, it's food. Can I get an amen? Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, at Christmas time, it's about a nice meal, a family meal, maybe a turkey or a ham or a roast. I love Christmas food. But the real food of Christmas, the real message of Christmas is spelled L-O-V-E. Christmas is all about Christ and his love for us. Now, what was shared in the program was Ashlyn memorizing and quoting out of the book of Luke. And so today, could I take our thoughts from the book of Matthew? It's the same story, just written from Matthew's perspective. And it begins in verse 18 of chapter 1 where it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And what that simply means is it happened this way. And so in the next seven or eight verses, are you ready? Here it is. This is how it happened. Are you ready? When as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so think about that for just a moment. Here you have Mary and Joseph. They are espoused or betrothed is another strong word. We would use that word. We don't use it much anymore, betrothed, because it's such a strong word. Today we say we're engaged because that's not all that strong. People get engaged to see if it's going to work out. 
back then when you were betrothed, listen to this. If you or your spouse would have passed away before the wedding day, you would have been considered, if you were a woman, a widow or a widower. I mean, you were just as much as married if, if you were betrothed together. This was a strong word. And here they were betrothed, and she's found to be with child. And so Joseph somewhat freaks out. I mean, he knows they haven't been together. And so he's thinking, she must have, she must have really been unfaithful. She, she's cheated on me. And so he says, I'm going to put her away privately, which shows that Joseph loved her. He loved her even though he felt betrayed by her because love covers sin. Love doesn't cover sin in a sense that it hides it and doesn't expose it, doesn't address it. But love is concerned that it doesn't get out to everyone. Love is concerned that it doesn't have to be announced. Uh, I'm so thankful today that people have forgiven me without gossiping about me. Aren't you glad for that? And see, here in Scripture, we understand that love, even though it's betrayed, it loves anyway. And Joseph loved her, but thank God for the next verse, because the Bible says that while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Hey, Joseph, God got her pregnant. It's okay. The Holy Ghost conceived in her. It's, it's not what you think. And I imagine Joseph that night said, that's the best dream I've ever had. <laughs> and thou shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Didn't we hear that in one of the songs today? Thou shalt call his name Jesus. You see, Luke, in the book of Luke, all it says is, thou shalt call his name Jesus. But in the book of Matthew, it says, thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. That's the best news I've heard all day. Now, all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife. And he knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. What a story. You know, as I was reading that story, I was thinking about the old hymn. And do you remember this song? One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin. Dwelt among men, my example is he. Here it is. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. And one day he's coming, oh glorious day. But pay close attention to that song because it said, living, he loved me. Christ lived so he could love me. Christmas is all about his birth and his love for us. Now, when you think about this love, when God gave us Jesus on that first Christmas, he was giving us the gift of his love. 
And the gift of God's love has never been expressed in a better way than through John chapter 3 and verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love. And when you think of the word love, everyone's mind goes to, if you're familiar with Scripture, if you're not, that's okay. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We don't normally think of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as a Christmas passage, but it may be the greatest Christmas passage there is because it speaks to us about what Christmas is. It is love. And I want you to notice three things about love quickly this morning. Number one, I want you to see the value of love. And as you look at the chapter on the screen, I'm going to break it down quickly for you. The value of love is first expressed in verse 1 where it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not, say it with me church, have not love. If I do not have love, I can speak with the tongues of men and angels. By the way, what was Paul? Was Paul a preacher? Yes. Am I a preacher? Yes. So I'm like Paul, or Paul is like me, and Paul is writing this letter, and Paul addresses his own profession first. He says, hey, I'm a speaker. I get up and talk a lot, and I do too. Can I tell you this morning, if I speak with the tongue of men and angels, if you hear me speak and say, wow, man, that was eloquent. Well, he really knew what he was talking about. Man, that preacher is deep. Oh, man, by the way, I don't think I've ever been deep, but just in case you think I am. Oh, man, that preacher really knows his stuff. Can I tell you, if I do all that and impress you with all that, it is garbage. It is nothing without love. Without love, it's, it's like sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Nothing worse than a clanging cymbal. I don't even want to hear it. And this morning... That's how you ought to feel about anybody who speaks without love. You see, the message is not powerful. It's not valued until it has love because there's no substitute for love. The next part of the verse says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 2a. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries. Preacher, I would like for you to speak on the book of Revelation. Everybody asks me that sometimes. I really like prophecy. I like to talk about the future. It's kind of neat. So, preacher, could you prepare a series of messages on prophecy? Well, you know what? Sometimes I think we like to brag about the fact that we know a lot about the future, but a sermon series on prophecy cannot touch a sermon series on love. I'd rather hear a sermon series on love any day. I can tell you all about the future and the, and the big toe of the third beast and the trumpet that sound and all that stuff. Hey, it all sounds really good, but can I tell you what we really need is less of that and more love. Because if I speak with that knowledge then, and I don't have love, then again, what am I? Notice next it says in the next part of the verse, and though I have all knowledge, ah, here's the preacher that knows it all. He's got it all. I mean, this guy is just the theologian of all theologians. He's got all. He knows the Bible so well. It's so impressive. He's written 73 books and he's all over the radio and the TV and the internet. And, and we're mesmerized by his knowledge. But the Bible says if he doesn't have love. And then it goes on to say. And if I have all faith. So as if I could remove mountains. But I have not love. 
Notice the next three words, the last three words. I am nothing. I'm nothing. This is incredible. Christmas is nothing without love. You can give all the gifts you want. You can put up the trees, put up the decorations, put on the program. But if you don't have love, you're missing the true meaning of Christmas. What good is it if I can remove mountains, but I cannot remove bitterness? What good is it? If I have faith enough to move a mountain, but I don't have enough love to take bitterness out of my heart towards a fellow brother? We're missing Christmas if we miss this. And so love, next it says in verse 3a, it says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, the Thanksgiving Day feast, what about it? We are feeding those who need to be fed. We think about all the things that we hear about feeding the poor. But if we don't have love, notice it says next, And if I deliver up my body to be burned, if I become a martyr, if I... Lay down my life, but I have not love. I gain nothing. Because God is not necessarily looking for those who will die for the faith, but who will live for the faith and show that living by loving. Because living, he loved me. And dying, he saved me. You see, the living came before the dying. And the loving came before the saving. You say, live in love, live in love, live in love, live in love. That's what we're to do during this Christmas season. Find somebody to love. Find somebody to love. Find a child. Find a nursing home. Find a hospital bed. Find somebody who needs to be loved and love them at Christmas. And that will be the greatest gift you've ever given to the real birthday boy. And that's the baby Jesus. And now notice the virtues of love. Quickly, Chapter 4, verse 8 says this, that love is patient. Love is patient. In other words, this is going to be good for somebody. Not much patience, not much love. Sorry. You know why Glorianne's good for me? I I got, I got, I must have tons of love because let me tell you something. With a special needs child, you got to have so much patience, it'll drive you crazy. You see, what we all need is we need something in our lives to constantly provoke our patience. Constantly. If you've got somebody in your life that you have to constantly be patient with, then guess what? You've got an opportunity to have a lot of love. And then it says this, that love is kind. Love is kind in the little things. Love opens the door. Love, love, love picks up uh, after themselves. Or love, love cleans around the house. Love does the dishes. Love, love just does little things. It's kind. Love is not jealous, the next part of the verse says. Love is not jealous. Love is able to praise others and to give credit where credit is due. And then finally, love is humble. In verse 4, in the last part of that verse, I'm calling it D. Just the last part. Love is humble, it says. Love is not arrogant, rather. Which means it's humble. Love and pride do not dwell in the same heart. Love is humble. 
Love is not about getting credit. Love is just like, hey, it's okay. I, I don't need... Love is not arrogant with its theology. Love is not arrogant with its expression. Love is not arrogant with its talent. Love is humble. And then finally, just to read you the last three verses to speed things up, it says this. In verse 5, it says, it does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. And that brings me to the last point. Notice the victory of love. Notice the victory of love. The victory of love. What is the victory of love? Well, it is this. Verse 8. Are you ready? Here it is. Love never fails. It's never a strong word. Hey, have you ever heard somebody say, never say never? Can I tell you when you should say never? When you're talking about love. Love never fails. It never fails. It will not pass away. It's an amazing thing. It is eternal. It lasts. It does not pass away. Love is more important than education. Love is more important than ability. Love is more important than money. Love is more important than looks. Because all of that goes away. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you looks have passed for me, okay? But I can tell you this for sure. Even though all that passes away, love never fails. How in the world does my wife love me more today than she loved me the day she married me? Look at me. I don't have much money. I haven't been able to give her all the things I wanted to give her. I don't look all that good anymore. You know, I don't have any hair. <laughs> but can I tell you one thing? She loves me more than she did the day she married me because those things fade away. But love grows stronger. It never fails. It doesn't go away. And that's what we desire for gospel light to be known as primarily for the gospel we preach and the love we show. That's what we want to be known for. The gospel and the love. The gospel and the love. If, if a church has those two things, it's a great church. If a church is known for the gospel, preaching the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is what this program has been all about, it's been about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Can you tell that? But it's also been about love. Because we want you to know, we want this community to know that we are here because we, we love them. Let's be famous for the gospel and famous for love. Famous for those things. And then finally, in closing, I want you to notice an incredible passage of Scripture. Another Christmas passage that doesn't get much credit. It's found in Matthew chapter 22, and it says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like anew it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, hang it all. Everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament, hang it all. It is all about loving God and loving your neighbor because Christmas is love. And remember the song, one day when heaven was filled with its praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among man. My example is, see, here it is, church, living, he loved me. 
Christmas is love. Love somebody this Christmas. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I've kept my commitment of 20 minutes.